Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in as usual. Coming off the bye week, so not a great deal to talk about tonight. May even be a shorter show than usual. Because, let's face it, not a lot of news. Nothing surprising happened during the Jets' time off. Nothing nothing, uh, earth-shattering. And really, if not for some comments to the media from former Jets cornerback Darrell Revis, there wouldn't be anything new to talk about. Of course, there's... We all talked before the uh, before the bye about the the level of surprise that Todd Bowles was not fired by Chris Johnson and company. It does seem that the team will be keeping him on. Um, no loss too embarrassing for the organization in their mind. Will that pay off in the long run? We'll see. But before we get into that, any of that, let's uh, let's start off by thanking our sponsor. Jet Nation new, not so new anymore. They've been with us for a few weeks now, maybe a little over a month. Uh, TheLinebacker.com. So football season's in full swing for a lot of guys. That means continuing to donate money out of their pockets into their local sports book. But it doesn't have to be that way. Linebacker produces winning sports predictions based off thousands of game simulations. It's easy to use, and it's customized betting profiles. Tells you which team to back and how much to bet. Jet Nation radio listeners can get a 25% discount on their first linebacker purchase when they use the promo code JetNation.com. J-E-T Nation.com. Sign up for a free trial today. Get some winning picks and make yourself some money. So have at it with linebacker, and good luck to you. So... As I mentioned, not not a ton of topics to cover. We'll talk a little bit about the injury report came out today. We'll talk a little bit about the Darrell Rivas situation. Um, some some minor news on Sam Darnold. Nothing huge in terms of his recovery. And we'll talk a little bit about the Jets Patriots matchup. Which last time I looked, Patriots were a seven and a half point favorite. I'll tell you what, I do like to bet. I've never bet against the Jets in my life. Can't imagine I would. Um, but if I if I were not a Jets fan, I, I'd be putting a lot of money on the Patriots in this game because you just, you just lost by a million to uh, the Bills, and I don't even remember the quarterback's name. That game is Barkley. Matt, Matt was it Matt Barkley? I don't know whoever it was. I, he might be out of the NFL again. I think he was only in the league for about. Uh, three days last week and he used one of those days to hang 41 on the jets. So Tom Brady, I can't, I, unless, unless the, the Patriots just don't feel like wearing their guys out by having them run up and down the field, maybe take it easy on the jets, but I don't see any way Todd Bowles' team doesn't get blown out. Of course, I'll be watching actively rooting for, uh, for Tom Brady to get the snot beat out of him and for the jets to win in glorious fashion. But I don't think any, anyone sees that coming. Receives any chance of that happening? Still seven and a half, surprisingly low spread. What do you think in Vegas? All right. So, like I said, probably a quick show tonight. Let's let's talk about actually first. Let, let's talk about Todd Bowles first, because as I mentioned, Darrell Revis, former Jets corner, came out this week on WFAN radio in an interview and said that in the season finale, Todd Bowles 
first year as the Jets head coach, that nightmare loss in Buffalo that I have referenced umpteen million times for the simple fact that not only was it a game that the Jets had to have and didn't mean anything to Buffalo, not only was it a chance for the Jets to to have Ryan Fitzpatrick, former Bills quarterback, go in there, beat his old team, and vault the Jets into the playoffs. I mean, there's a million reasons to be upset about the Jets losing that game. And again, as I've said before, as a guy who drove up to that game, hit a deer, and got a speeding ticket on the way, I have as much reason to be be upset as anybody, if not more so. Um, But the most maddening thing about that game was the fact that Darrell Revis just got beat all day long by Sammy Watkins. And I'm not even going to look up the numbers because it's – a ton. Sammy Watkins had a ton of catches that day. I think it was actually 14. Um, might have been 11 or 12 on 14 targets. Whatever it was, as a Jets fan, I'm sitting in the crowd watching that game, and I'm watching Darrell Rivas play 10, 15 yards off Sammy Watkins all day long, no matter the down and distance. And every single time Buffalo needed a play, every single time Buffalo needed a first down, third and six, third and seven, third and nine, third and ten, whatever it was, Tyrod Taylor would just drop back, two, three-step drop, wait for Sammy Watkins on a hook or a comeback. Darrell Revis would be giving him a cushion that basically it wasn't even clear if Revis was covering Watkins. He was playing so far off. And they just they just picked on the Jets all day. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is our rookie head coach who, fine, let's say he's a rookie head coach and needs time to grow. But I'm thinking this is our rookie head coach, defensive genius, and he doesn't have an answer for one guy. The Bills had one receiver that day, Sammy Watkins. That was it. That was it. Didn't see any double teams. Didn't see any any coverage getting any extra coverage getting rolled that way. Didn't see any linebackers dropping back to 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 close down some of those passing lanes. Nothing. Just over and over and over and over again. Taylor to Watkins. Taylor to Watkins. Taylor to Watkins. First down, first down, first down. It was embarrassing. And I I, just, I came out of the game thinking, what, what the hell is going to happen now? How does that happen? How do you go into Buffalo needing a win, and they have one guy on offense, and you have no answer for him? Well, Darrell Rivas came out now this week and said that the team just wasn't prepared going into that game. Now, while there's the part of me that would like to just say, well, Darrell Rivas is a disgruntled former employee who just wants to trash his ex-coach because he didn't like the way things ended. But but he was, but he's right. <laughs> if you watch that game, you know, I've seen a lot of that today from people. Screw Rivas, F. Rivas. Oh, he sucks. He's, uh, he's a mercenary. All of those things, true, you know... Depending on your perspective, but he's not wrong in that the Jets looked unprepared in that game. However, I will say this: I do recall a time in the past when Todd Bowles was open about how much freedom he gave the Rel Revis to play the way he wanted to play. Because let's face it, Revis a Hall of Famer. Todd Bowles trusted him, and I think Revis knew. And I said this at the time; I've said it since then. Darrell Rivas knew in that game that he was going against a guy in Sammy Watkins who had beaten him deep many times, well, several times in their in the few matchups they'd had 
I think Revis was afraid to get deep, get B deep. So I think he gave Sammy Watkins too much cushion. And I think that resulted in the big day for Watkins. But it was on Bowles for not fixing it, for not doing something to slow it down. It's it's after the fact. It's, you know, there's the party that says, well, it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter now. It really, there's the party that says, well, who the hell cares? But then there's also the party that says, I've been saying this for years, that they, they went into that game and didn't know how to stop one guy. Darrell Revis comes out and says, and even even though, even having said that Revis is correct in, 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 the, in the statement that he made, make no mistake about it, that's a douche move by Revis because Todd Bowles, and this is a weird thing because I don't like that Todd Bowles did this as a fan, but as a man, I can respect that he did it. Darrell Revis' final year as a Jet, when he he had no interest in playing football anymore. Darrell Revis was was just was he was he was he was playing. He was basically he had retired early. He was willing to go out on the field, jog around, bat a ball around if it came to him, maybe get a pick if it was nice and easy. But he was not about to mix it up. He was not going to get physical. He had no interest in playing NFL football. But the check was good enough. The money was on the money was there. So why not keep showing up to work? Now so the the part as a fan that pisses me off is that Todd Bowles didn't bench him. And he should have, regardless of what he was making. But Todd Bowles, to sort of preserve the Roe Revis' image, kept coming out to the media and saying, you know, he basically protected Revis as much as he could. And he never, never bad-mouthed him, never called him out. But I guess, you know what? As I'm sitting here saying this, that's just not something Todd Bowles does. We've seen Muhammad Wilkerson quit on this team. We've seen Darrell Revis quit on this team. There are questions right now as to whether or not Jermaine Curse is mailing it in for the rest of the year. And Todd Bowles just doesn't call those guys out. And I understand it's a different era. It's not Bill Parcells who would call out his players publicly. Coaches don't do that anymore. I get it. But when you get to the level that Revis and Wilkerson were at, I mean, that, that's about as, as egregious as it gets. I mean, those guys just, you could just watch them every Sunday and think, why is this guy in the field? These guys had so little interest in competing. So the bad part is that Bulls trotted him out there, but it's, it's a bad move for Revis to trash a guy who basically protected him, whether that was right or wrong. Those are two separate issues. I'm not saying it's good that Bulls played him when he sucked, and I'm not saying it's good that Bulls covered for him when he sucked. I'm just saying it's a bad move for Revis to do that to a guy who did cover for him. In a perfect world, Todd Bowles would have came out, told the media that Roe Revis is a shell of his former self, and and either we're letting him go or he's a he's our fourth or fifth corner now. Todd Bowles didn't do that because Todd Bowles doesn't do that. But spe- speaking of what Todd Bowles does and does not do, and this this applies to to Todd Bowles and Mike McCagnin. And I think that having heard Manish Mehta in an interview this week, and I can't, I can't remember where it was. It was, it was another blog, a blogger, uh, blog show. I can't remember, or podcast. I can't remember if it was, 
who was it? I, I want to say it was the jet take, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, I saw a blurb about it. I think it was the jet take. Um, someone posted a, a link on jet on the forums on jetnation.com, which if you're not on the forums on jetnation.com, get on the forums on jetnation.com. But someone posted a, a, a story where Manish Mehta came out and said that Mike McCagnan and I know I started this with Bowles, but this, this applies to both guys. That Mike McCagnan was too wanted to, wanted to be was basically a, a people pleaser when it came to being in the draft room, in the war room, and wanting to give head co- or wanting to give coaches the players that they wanted when the Jets were on the clock, and he specifically named Ardarius Stewart and former offensive coordinator John Morton. <clears throat> Excuse me, and saying that. John Morton loved Ardarius Stewart, and Mike McCagnan made that pick because that's what that's what Morton wanted. And now, as I just mentioned, you've got Todd Bowles playing guys that, as far as I'm concerned, it, it, he's 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 playing guys based on their salary. And he did, and as I again, the aforementioned Muhammad Wilkerson. Revis, you can kind of make a case that they didn't have a ton at the position at the time, but he's doing it right now with Tremaine Johnson, who I'm not, I'm not saying it's time to give up on Tremaine Johnson. As we've said before on this show, he's played the years kind of dinged up this injury, that, you know, concussion, and he's left a couple of games early. Maybe the guy just hasn't really been 100%. I have my doubts. If I had to guess, I would I would err on the side of, I think he's maybe got his payday, his big payday. And he's not uh, max effort isn't there. That could be that he's frustrated with the coaching staff already. Who knows? But the point I'm making here is that Todd Bowles and Mike McCagnan, they both they both need to be in survival mode. Now it may be too late for Todd Bowles. I think it is. Todd Bowles needs to start. He needs to start playing the best players. And right now. If you look at the way this team has performed up to this point, Tremaine Johnson is not better than Daryl Roberts up to this point. And this is a defensive-minded coach who needs quality corner play, and he keeps playing this guy. If you're trying to save your job and you're a head coach, and in all honesty – if Todd Bowles benches Tremaine Johnson and Daryl Roberts outplays him and the team plays better, that's a that's a tick mark in, in Todd Bowles' column in his defense to keep his job. He gets to sit back and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going with what I have, and uh, the guy that McCagnan just gave $70 million to just isn't that good. Mike McCagnan, on the other hand, if 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 what Manish Mehta said is true, and that he's he's in the the war room and drafting guys that his position coaches or his head coach likes, that that needs to come to an end. You're the general manager; the buck stops with you when it comes to picking players. You, if you're this life lifetime lifelong scout with this passion for talent evaluation 
then you need to trust yourself and pick the best players team a contender. You don't ask John Morton who he wants. I mean, of course, get input. Talk to, talk to the whole staff. Talk to your area scouts, your regional scouts, your coaches, position coaches, head coach, everybody is part of the process. But when it boils down to it, when you're on the clock, you can't get swayed by one or two guys if you think there's a better player on the board. Now, you know, it would be a, an amazing coincidence, given the fact that there are hundreds of players in the draft, if it just so happened that Mike McCagnan thought Darius Stewart was the best player on the board in that spot. So I would venture to guess he did not believe that. I mean, I've said it a million times. I, I wanted a corner in that spot. There were so many good corners in this draft that passing one up was just n- not, not the way to go, in my opinion. You had an opportunity to, to, to draft a starting caliber corner from probably from day one in the second or third round in that draft. But that didn't happen. So Mike McCagnin, if he's out there drafting these guys to make other people happy, that needs to change now. All he needs to do, you know, trust your people, trust your scouts, listen to them, take their input on board. But when it comes time to pick... You pick the guy you want. You don't pick the guy somebody else wants. Todd Bowles. When it's time to when it's time to to put your lineup together and decide who starts, who sits, who gets playing time, who doesn't. It can't be about salary anymore. It can't be about profile. Oh, this guy's a big name, big dollar. He's he's I gotta start him. I have to start Darrell Rivas, who has no interest in tackling anybody right now. Can't cover. I got to start Tremaine Johnson, who's been outplayed by the guy that replaced him when he missed time. I got to start Mo Wilkerson, even though he's routinely being put on skates by the guy across from him and just jogging around the field. Can't wait to get home every Sunday. Jobs are at stake. And it's time for both these guys. Now, of course, McCagnin isn't isn't going to be doing a whole lot between now and the draft personnel-wise. Trade deadline's gone. Other, minus, you know, the odd bottom-of-the-roster move, practice squad type stuff, Mike McCagnin's not going to have an opportunity to make a big, a big splash. But when free agency kicks off and when the draft kicks off, because as I said, and I could be wrong, but I think McCagnin gets more time. I think it's too late for Todd Bowles, but if he wants to save himself now, if he wants to give himself a chance to keep his job, he's got to play the best players. That's it. You know, with the lone exception being, and this is unfortunate for Bowles, once Sam Darnold is healthy, he's got to be the guy under center. And it feels weird saying that, you know, Donald's not the best quarterback on the roster, but let's face it, he he hasn't been very good this year. He's had his moments, which is fine. He's 21. We all hope for a great year. It hasn't been that. But I, I said in the beginning of the year, I said before the season started, that the thing I was most excited about was the second half of the season because I wanted to see the development. I wanted to see the improvement, if it if there was any. 
And that's what the Jets need to find out. So once he's healthy, Darnold's got to be your guy. But beyond that, Isaiah Crowell, outside of his one big game in Denver, has he done enough to make you say he should get more carries than Eli McGuire? Because for my money, he hasn't. There's some young guys on the roster who we'd love to see. I mean, the tough one is Parry Nickerson, Buster Screen. You know, Buster Screen has been terrible. And, you, can, you know, Parry Nickerson, there's a, there's a chance he will be a better player in the long run. But has he been... He hasn't been good enough up to this point that you can make the statement that he should, he should be playing over Buster Screen the same way you can say Daryl Roberts should be playing over Tremaine Johnson. But hopefully with the bye week, a couple weeks to heal up, whatever was ailing Tremaine Johnson, hopefully that's all better. Hopefully the time off will have him coming back and playing at a higher level. And we have, what is it, we have about four days till we find out. He did not appear, uh, Tremaine Johnson, was not on the the injury report today following practice. But let's take a quick run through of who was on the injury report. As we mentioned, Sam Darnold with that foot, he's out of the boot. He did some, he he had a helmet and jersey. He did some, uh, some light stuff, some stretching early on. But that was it. Didn't do, didn't practice after that. Uh, Marcus May, shoulder and thumb, those have been lingering issues. Uh, both those guys, Darnold, May, did not practice. Another guy who didn't practice, and this is a big one, um, James Carpenter, because, you know, it, it seems it's clear as day the Jets will be moving on from him after this year. They may like to, I mean, I don't know that they want to get Ben Braden any live reps at this point. I mean, he's still a practice squad guy. Dozier probably gets those reps if Carpenter can't go. Because, again, Carpenter was a, did not practice. But, um, I mean, Carpenter's going to be gone next year. And they're going to have to, whether it's, whether they let, if they think Dozier or Braden can do it, I mean, I think, I think they'll address, address left guard through free agency. But uh, that remains to be seen. Brandon Copeland with an elbow did not practice. Robbie Anderson with an ankle did not practice. Todd Bowles was asked after practice if the team might shut Robbie Anderson down for the year, which is the first I've heard anyone mention that possibility. And he just took the standard answer, you know, have to wait to see how he progresses, you know, not being considered at this time. Um, so all of those were did not practice. Sam Darnold, Marcus May, James Carpenter, Brandon Copeland, and Robbie Anderson. None of those five guys practiced today. Only one player was limited. That was Quincy Inunua with an ankle. I'll tell you what, if they got to go without Anderson and Inunua again, that's, uh, that's not a good day. And then some guys who've been nursing injuries but were full goes today, no limitations. Steve McClendon, D-lineman Steve McClendon, uh, safety Terrence Brooks, linebacker Kevin Pierre-Louis, cornerback Mo Claiborne, linebacker Frankie Louvu, center Spencer Long. That's a big one. Because if Long's finger is healed, um, they, they got to see some better results out of him this week. Rontez Miles, Kelvin Beecham, running back Eli McGuire, and running back Isaiah Crowell. All full. That's your full. McClendon, Brooks, Pierre-Louis, Claiborne, Louvu, Long, Miles, Beach, and McGuire, Crowell. Not not quite as long of an injury report for the Patriots. Only one player didn't practice. That was tight end Dwayne Allen. 
Tom Brady was limited with a with a knee. Gronkowski limited with an ankle and back. Shaq Mason limited with a calf. Sony Michelle limited with a knee. <clears throat> and Julian Edelman full practice with a foot injury. So how do we think this how do we think this thing goes down against the New England Patriots? Well, we know the story on offense. We know that Tom Brady, no matter who he's got out there, is going to put up points. And I know, listen, it's it was great to see the Patriots get held to what ten points or whatever it was against Tennessee, but stuff like that just doesn't happen very often. So the last thing I'm going to do is look at that and say, "Oh, look the the Pats are struggling. The Jets have a shot." I just don't see that happening. Patriots have some really good players on defense right now. Trey Flowers is playing really well. He's got himself a few sacks, three or four sacks coming off the edge. Uh, Stephon Gilmore is playing well at corner, as is Jason McCourty. Those are a couple guys who can cover. And uh, that's going to – I'll tell you, if if McCourty and Gilmore are in there and the Jets are down to Jermaine Curse, who doesn't seem all that interested – and Robbie and Quincy and Unwa can't go. That's, I mean, the Jets, they're not going to be able to move the ball. It's that simple. It's just that simple. Much as I hate to say it, you know, they have a hard time moving the ball when guys are healthy. Um, you know, when Robbie and Quincy are all in, you know, when everyone's healthy, they can't get in the end zone. So you take those guys out against some good corners. And whether it's Darnold, McCown, I just don't see anybody being being able to move the ball. That's a that's a tall order, going shorthanded on offense against the Bill Belichick defense. Although they you know they gave up some big plays to Tennessee last week, but until the Jets show any level of consistency, whether it's McCown or Darnold, and and the blocking up front has got to get better. As I said, these last couple of weeks were probably their worst two games of the season, from or at least two of their worst two of their three worst games of the season in pass protection. That's got to get better. If they're not going to improve there, then, the, you know, the, this game's as I said, it's going to be a blowout. It's probably a blowout anyway, but if you can't find a way to make that happen, then it's going to be a really long day. Um, up front, on offense, the Pats have a they have a solid O-line. But the big question on offense for the Patriots is going to be Rob Gronkowski. And that's something I'm looking forward to watching because, yes, is, you know, Gronk's been injured. But if you think back to last year, I've been looking forward to this game uh, due to the simple fact that in the final game last season, Jets-Patriots, Jamal Adams and Darren Lee were called upon quite a bit to defend Rob Gronkowski. And if you remember, Gronkowski had zero receptions. And the Jets, to me, they didn't go crazy, but there was some comments in the paper from Darren Lee and Jamal Adams where they were, for my taste, they were a little bit too high on themselves for shutting down a guy in week 17 who many people speculated, and it is a, a legitimate claim that, that the Patriots may have just trotted Gronkowski out there as a decoy. Look, we're going to put you out there. You're going to you're gonna demand the coverage, but we're not throwing you the ball. We can beat these guys without you. And uh, But, you know, you being out there takes the heat off some of the other guys. So Gronkowski may not have been a, a – may not have even been a, a viable target that day. Um, I remember Darren Lee on Twitter afterwards, you know, somebody commented that, you know, Jamal Adams shut down Rob Gronkowski and Darren Lee piggybacked on that and kind of said, yeah, I was there all day too. So these guys were really high on themselves 
for keeping Rob, Rob, Rob Gronkowski without a catch. Well, this time around, it's not a meaningless Week 17 game. This game, we're, we're midseason, and the Pats don't take their foot off the gas. So I think this is going to be an opportunity. And, and really, as a Jet, you should be excited about this. Because, as I've mentioned on the show, as a lot of people have mentioned, Jamal Adams' pass coverage has been significantly better from his rookie year to year two. He's been a much better defender in the passing game. Has yet to give up a touchdown in coverage. Gave up six last year. And I think two of them may have been the Gronk. I know at least one. I think Gronk had a second one. No, I might be thinking of the pass interference on the goal line or near the goal line when really um, Gronkowski interfered with Adams uh, more deliberately than Adams with Gronkowski. But, you know, Gronk is going to get the call over the rookie every time. But either way, it's been a, a, a much better performance from Jamal Adams. And not now I, I want to see him go against Gronk in a game where Gronk is a viable target. And let's see how he does. Let's, you know, this is a, this is a, as they say, litmus test, measuring stick type game for, uh, for Jamal Adams and for Darren Lee. Darren Lee is another guy. He's been better in coverage. And he, he was happy to take credit last year when they hold Gronkowski without a catch. So if they go out there again, and no, they're not going to hold him without a catch, but even if you even if you contain him a little bit, I feel like Gronk is a guy, he's such a focal point. You keep that guy, you know, you keep that guy under 80 yards and keep him out of the end zone, that's a hell of a day. Because especially, especially in a game like this, I know it's not like the guy averages 80 a game, but this is a game where I think that because of what was said, he's going to want to come out and basically take take the uh, all the good press that Darren Lee and Jamal Adams were getting and uh and turn it on its head and just be able to laugh about it. And we'll see how that we'll see how that pans out. But I think that's what makes it one of the key matchups in the game. Adams and Gronk. Of course then you got Josh Gordon and he'll probably see his share of Tremaine Johnson. So that's another big matchup there. You have a you know big strong receiver in Gordon and a and a corner in Johnson who's been just struggling terribly, as we've said. Uh, it hasn't been hasn't been pretty for him. And Joe Thune, offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman, guard for New England. He does a nice job in pass protection. And uh, I think it's time for Leonard Williams to make another appearance because I know I get it. Leo faces double teams. He needs some help, blah, blah, blah. Listen, sixth overall pick, best player in the draft, blah, 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 blah. Impact player, future perennial Pro Bowler. At some point, you got to beat some double teams. You know, we all—I'm sure a lot of you saw the number the other day on Aaron Donald. Leads the NFL in sacks. He's double teamed on 73% of his snaps. Now, I'm not saying Leo has to be Aaron Donald. I mean, first of all, he's not getting double teamed 73% of the time. Um, but even if it's 50% of the time or 55, you got to beat it at some point. Can't keep falling back on that. At some point, you got to become the player you were expected to be. And, you know, otherwise, let's face it, you know, the Jets have uh, exercised their fifth-year option on Leo. So he'll be around next year at about a $14 million clip. And if you're going to keep him around, uh, beyond that, he's going to have to make some plays. He's going to have to do some things that make you feel like the money he'll command is, makes him worth it. Because right now, that just isn't happening. 
So with Leo, I mean, he's had himself a couple of nice games. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he hasn't had a, a decent season. But when you're the sixth overall pick, you're not supposed to have decent seasons. You're supposed to have dominant seasons. That just hasn't happened for Leo. And that, you know, that, that does bring up the question. I'm sure I've raised it on here before. Or the, the concern about some of the young players on this roster who have regressed under to under Todd Bowles. I won't go through the whole thing again, but I know I've talked about it. Perennial Pro Bowler. Offense with Robbie and, and Hurst here. The, the quarterback change is going to impact that, but how you look, it's going to... And you don't look at Todd Bowles and Adam Wong. He got rid of Morton because we saw the difference in our last this year. Morton was a lot more creative. You saw open a lot more often. And uh, at that point, you have to worry about these guys. You have to worry. Listen, Robbie Anderson. Dinged up. If you send Robbie Anderson out there, he's only getting two targets, and you're overthrowing him on the deep balls. I, I, I see him as a guy Robbie checks out. It kind of goes through the motions. Are we seeing that from Jermaine Curse? We'll have to wait and see. It certainly looked like it a couple of weeks ago. So if this team is going to be struggling, then the head coach is going to run the risk of, of, of losing some of these guys. And face it, you need these guys. You need these guys to step up and play well if you're trying to develop this young quarterback. I don't think it's uh I don't think it's looking pretty right now. I don't like the I don't like the way the the body again Jermaine Curse just disinterested. Robbie Anson looks frustrated. And who blame them? These guys who put up big numbers last year and now they're now they're non factors. So there's there's plenty of bad to go around. There's plenty of reason for concern. But in terms of the big picture, there's plenty of reason. There's also plenty of reason for optimism. Having the quarterback, having some who you know who look like they can, they can make some plays. Herndon and Robbie, if you get the ball, like I said, I'd like to see more Eli. I'd like to see more Jordan Leggett. But the the key takeaway going into this game for me anyway, the key thing to watch is Gronkowski matching up with Adams and Lee. Johnson going against Gordon and some of the work Leonard Williams does on the inside. Let's see him get in Brady's face. Let's see him get a sack and make a play. I mean, let's get the, the Jets have done something that I you would have, I would have thought was impossible. Um, after, you know, a nearly 50 year search, they finally got a quarterback and they've still found a way to make the fans <laughs> angry enough to not, it, it's tough. I'll tell you what, whether it's whether you're going in the the forums on the message boards, or whether you're you know a blogger or a writer, whatever you are, if you're writing about this team, it really seems like all people want to talk about is fire Todd Bowles, fire Todd Bowles, broken record. And I get it, I get the frustration. The reality is the reality of the situation is that that is not going to happen. Todd Bowles will get the rest of this season. At least it appears. I mean, if they if they if you didn't fire him with the bye week coming after that loss to Buffalo, then you just look you look even dumber by firing him for anything else because it's not going to get worse than that. <laughs> I hope it's not going to get worse than that. 
But that'll wrap it up for us this week. Like I said, shortish show. Not really, not really worth doing a, a full hour, hour and a half, given the fact no game, no changes, no major news. Just wanted to pop on, talk about some of the key matchups, talk about the Revis comments, and talk about, as I said, Mike McCagnan, Todd Bowles. There's got to be. It's I, I'm I'm not a fan. I didn't watch it, but I'm familiar with the premise. I think I am anyway. Right with the Hunger Games, everyone you know. What was it? People people killing each other off. Every man for himself. All about survival. That's what it's got to be for Bowles and McAgnan right now. If Todd Bowles wants to survive, play the best players. When Mike McAgnan, when this off season rolls around, if he wants to survive beyond this year, draft the players you like, and get and give the guy that. Enough with this, you know, reporting on equal footing. Let, let the fans know who's in charge. Give Mike McCagnin the ability to hire and fire a head coach. And and he's got full control in the war room. Then if things go wrong, you know who to look at. But again, that's partly on McCagnin. They, they They both have to do what they believe is right. If Todd Bowles wants to win, play the guys you think can win. Mike McCagnin wants to be a successful GM, draft the guys you like. If things work out, you're a genius. If they don't, you're an idiot and you're fired. But at least you at least you don't look back at it and go, you know, and wonder, I wonder what would have happened if I drafted the guys I liked. And not the guys that I kind of liked, but my Mike really wanted. So that, that that's the big thing for them going into this offseason. Hopefully they've learned from some of their mistakes. And hopefully hopefully they find a way to, to make this one interesting against New England. A win would be glorious, but I don't see that happening. Let's hope let's hope they start uh picking up the pieces after that, that embarrassing blowout loss to the Bills and get this thing rolling in the right direction. Sam Darnold. Hopefully he's under center in sometime in the next couple weeks. And uh he starts hitting some open receivers. So let, let's uh, stick with it. It's uh, three and seven again. You know, looking like the Jets could be on the way to a, a third consecutive five-win season. But listen, diehards are the diehards. Stick with them. You know, you, you don't have to be brainwashed and and uh, and and talk about how great they are no matter what happens. But uh, but Dan, you love the team. You you watch them, and hopefully, you, hopefully the growth is there, and the results will soon follow. But until next time, Jets fans, until next week, when we are hopefully talking about an upset win over the Patriots, thank you so much for tuning in. I am Glenn Naughton. Have a great night, and take care. Go Jets.